How are y'all this morning? Access. Give me all the good stuff before we get started. We have access 
to the kingdom of heaven. But you can have access to something without having the ability to attain it, right? I have access to come and to be here with Troy and with, life, with, with FBC Life Hand this morning and to profess the goodness of God, right? I've always had access to that, at least for the past four years I have. Because it was always a phone call away. And the opportunity was always there, right? But what did I miss? I missed the opportunity to attain So my encouragement today in everything that I will lay out is this. Step into the purpose that God has for you today. You've always known that you have access to it. Right? You've always known that you have access to it. Now step into it. So I want to start with where does the story start the story starts in the garden, right? So I want to take you to Genesis chapter 3, verses 20 through 23. And I want to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I have a lot of verses, but I won't ask you to stand for everything, just for the beginning. <clears throat> the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. See, as a result of Adam and Eve accepting the partial truth from the serpent, now anything can separate us. Everything does separate us. And nothing could change the outcome of them being kicked out of the garden. So the title of today's message is Anything, Everything, and Nothing. Let's pray. Our most precious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and God, I thank you for this opportunity to gather with fellow believers and to bless and to dig into and draw from nourishing your word. Father, I pray that you would give FBC Life Hand ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way and that you would speak through me this way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, sit down and let's get to work. So, like every good um, Baptist sermon right there, how many points are there going to be? Three. That's right. So any more than three is not Baptist. Any less than three... I don't know what you are, but you're not a preacher. Oh, so my first point is <clears throat> belief is everything. John 3, 16 and 18. And like when I wrote John 3, 16 and 18 down, I was telling Troy, I was sitting down in my office at work during lunch, and I'm like, all right, what, what verse is going to be like the, the passage, right? Man, I'm going to read it. It's going to be something awesome. They're going to be like, wow. And he's like, John 3, 16. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Everybody, people that don't even know Jesus know John 3, 16. <clears throat> he's exactly why you're gonna go there. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever in him should not but have that's right, eternal life or everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. That's it. That's it right there. You, you can pack it all up, wrap a nice little bow on it, and call it delivered. Because that's it. God sent, God sent us Jesus. So, slightly different version of what Troy laid out. You have, you have us, and you have God, and you have sin. Right? So, let me ask you this. Please don't answer. We all deal with sin. Every single one of us. Every person in here. There is... There's a distinction and a difference between sin and temptation, right? Temptation is not the sin, but temptation leads to sin. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to be able to distinguish as believers and as unbelievers. We have to be able to know the difference between temptation and sin. Temptation is the uh, inclination, the thought, the desire to do something that we shouldn't do. You're not thinking the right way. You're not thinking like you should be thinking. You recognize that and you go, okay, God, I need your help with this because I can't do this, right? Um, in DFW, when you're driving on the highway and somebody cuts you off, what's your inclination? <laughs> yes, yes. And so sometimes when I'm driving, I'm like, ooh, you got to do something about that because I'm, let me get my hands on this person right here because I will not be cut off while I'm driving. Temptation, sin, right? <clears throat> we deal with sin in two ways, I believe. The first way we deal with sin is not dealing with sin. I do something that I shouldn't do, and instead of repenting, right? Instead of, back up, instead of doing what I should do, I choose to do what I shouldn't do, right? Who makes the choice? We do. We do. We make the choice. You do. I do. So I choose to do the thing that I shouldn't do, and as a result of doing the thing that I shouldn't do, I now have to deal with consequences from, doing, from doing the thing that I shouldn't do, right? The consequences for sin is? Is death, right? So because the consequences of sin is death, Jesus had to? Jesus had to die. Why did Jesus have to die? Because there's no other pain that could have been given other than the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. There is no other payment that's acceptable except that. And because He paid that price, I now walk by His grace freely every single day. Does that mean I'm not going to struggle with sin? No. What it does mean is that the covering, the covering of the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? We sang about the power of the blood this morning, right? Are you washed in the blood of Jesus? Do you know what the blood of Jesus does? So when God the Father, terrible, 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 no, I'm not doing that. Because he's not just sitting up in heaven, right? When God the Father looks at the synthetic, when he looks at Vince, what does he see? What do you see? What do you see? You see the covering of the blood of Jesus. When God looks at you, what does he see? As a believer in Jesus Christ, what does he see? He sees the precious blood of His Son that met every sacrificial requirement that was necessary so that you could be what? You could be covered. Because when you're covered in the blood, what are you? You are right with God. You are right with God. So to get to belief is everything, that's like the other three points, or the other two points plus the additional point that I wasn't going to throw in that I threw in for free. I won't charge you for that one, bro. Um, belief is everything. Because if you don't believe, 
If you don't believe in Jesus, then you don't have the covering of the blood. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have the covering of the blood. So what is that belief? That belief is to... Okay. I knew Lipan was here. Four years ago when Troy accepted the calling. And he and I friends on Facebook because Facebook is how I keep up with the world, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Um, I saw that they were coming to Lifehand, so what did I do? Pulled out my phone and I'm like, where's Lifehand? Never heard of that place. Never heard of that place. Where's Lifehand at? I knew where Lifehand was, right? <clears throat> I've never been to First Baptist Lifehand. But this morning, what did me and my family do? Not only did we come, but we came we came in. We walked in to the doors of the church. We walked into the sanctuary. We walked into Pastor Troy's office. We stepped into this assignment today. So when you believe, you believe into who Jesus is. You step into, hey, I believe that Jesus is Jesus the Son of God? Feel free to talk to me. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> is Jesus the ultimate payment for all sin? Not just my sin, all sin. Yes. Yes, thank you, Pastor. You're doing a good job, bro. You're doing a good job. These people know all the answers. There. Did you sit my sermon today? <laughs> well, let me find out. He is the payment for every sin. He is the Son of God. Is He the spotless Lamb? Yes. Yes, He is. Because He meets those things and you believe those things, now you have stepped into belief in Jesus. You understand the difference between, like, I know FBC Life Pain is there. I know where Life Pain is now. I know where FBC Life Pain was, but I never stepped into the church. I knew, it, I knew where it was, I knew what it was, I knew how to get there, but I never came inside the doors. You understand the difference? When you believe into Jesus, you are now, what does verse 17 tell us? You are now, you are now no longer walking in this fancy word called condemnation, right? Nice way to explain condemnation is, is shame. It's shame, it's remorse, it's regret, it is um, a feeling of less than. You're less than. You're unworthy. There's nothing that you can do that will make you worthy on your own. But because Jesus came and he did what he needed to do, even though the man Jesus prayed in the garden and he asked his father are you sure this is the only way nevertheless not what I want but what you want heavy heavy is that burden right so without belief you don't have the right to attain Right? What we're really talking about today is two words. We're talking about access and attainability. Right? Access is being able to get to it, knowing where it is and being able to get there. Attainment is to actually have it in your possession. It is yours, and you rightfully have um, attained it. You have it. <clears throat> so God loved all of creation so much that he gave his only son as a perfect sacrifice to meet the lawful requirements so that everyone who believes into Jesus will have everlasting life. So if I believe into Jesus today, when does everlasting life start for me? Today, right now, right now. So right now in your brokenness, in your sickness, in your confusion, in your um, sense of feeling less than, in, in your moments of victory, in your moments of 
great honor and excitement in life. If you have Jesus, you walk in what? You walk in eternal life. He doesn't want us to wait till we get to heaven to start experiencing it. But what do we so often do? What? Pretend this is the covering of Jesus' blood, right? So, when God looks at me right now, at least the upper half of me, what does He see? He sees the blood of Jesus. And then what happens when I do something that I shouldn't do, and I'm like, I'm not going to repent for that. Hmm, okay, cool, man, I don't want to do this. Alright. When I chose to rebel and not stay true to the calling and the assignment that God has placed on my life. What did I do to the blood? I took it off. I took it off. Access was still there, right? Because the Lord said, come. Come. Broken, confused, bewildered, Tired, exhausted, frustrated. Come. Come. I'm here. And I'm going to take the blood of the Lamb. <coughs> Once you place your belief into me and your faith into me, and I'm going to cover you. So that when I see you, I walk and you walk in right relationship until you take it off. Because the choice is whose? <coughs> All in the children's sermon. The choice is whose? The choice is ours. The choice is ours. So, uh, one of the illustrations I was going to use is uh, when you go swimming in a lake, right? You're getting ready to jump in. You're looking at the water. And in your mind, you believe that the water is safe to jump in. But if I don't actually get in the water and start swimming, have I placed my belief in anything? Have I placed faith in anything? No. Belief is the foundation. My second point. To know without Jesus or know Jesus equals the awareness and acceptance of my condemnation, right? If I don't have Jesus, I willingly walk in the weight of my sin. But if I know Jesus and have placed my belief and my faith into Jesus, now no condemnation. No condemnation. None. Ever. Because Jesus gave us access to eternal life starting the moment you put your faith in Him. No condemnation. It doesn't mean that people won't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that your family won't have an opinion. But what it does mean is that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, the I am that I am says, now you have no condemnation because you are covered by the blood of my son. Romans 3, 20, or, uh, yeah, Romans 3, 23 through 25 states, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, I'm sure Troy being your pastor, that y'all have had Bible studies and um probably a Wednesday night or two and a Sunday night or two discussing the word appreciation. So I'll save that. And if you haven't, you're welcome. 
That's a good one to go to. See, without belief in Jesus, there's no redemption of any kind of relationship with God. No Jesus, in no Jesus, no relationship. You can't. Because He's a holy, righteous, just God. That's why He had to send Jesus. So that by us putting our faith into Jesus, when God sees us, He now sees us by Jesus' grace as righteous, holy, acceptable, blameless. God, I don't have to. His word says it. Think about that for a minute. Undeserving as we are, he says, come and I'll take every ounce of every part of you that's less than in any way, shape, or form. And I'll take every bit of everything that you were, everything that you are, and everything that you are ever going to be. For the rest of eternity. And I will cover it all with my blood. And I will give you access and attainability to my grace. To walk in my grace. To put on my grace. To be covered in my grace. To be covered in my love. To walk out what grace might look like in this life. Grace is available to everyone, but without Jesus, there's no access to experience grace or to know it. Without Jesus, the condemnation we have is very simple, right? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news is that we believe by faith in Jesus. That's right, man. Come on, wake up. That's, it's almost new time. Wake up. Good news is that we believe by faith in Jesus, which gives us access to a relationship where grace is abundant and sufficient. It's abundant and sufficient. It is enough. His grace is enough to get us through. His grace is enough to carry us through the weight. His grace is enough to carry us through that weight. His grace is enough to carry you through every trial that you've experienced as a pastor and every trial that you've experienced as a mom and as a pastor's wife. His grace is enough to carry you through growing a beautiful, beautiful, very large family. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient to get you to eternity in His presence outside of this physical shell and into the glorious body that He's designed for us to walk in His presence. Oh, how our soul should rejoice at the thought of being in God's presence. Right? And we think about that in what terms? We have to think about that in what terms? We often see eternity through what lens? It's there. Eternity is there. Eternal life is there. The glory, the glory of God the Father through the Son is evident when? Now, here, here, today, this morning. If we should have that same exuberance to be in God's presence, can we agree that the, that the Lord has, has come into our space today to come and dine with us. 
He's come to be with us. He's come to fill. He's come to fill up the voids inside of us. He's come to expose the areas of our life that are in need of His grace. And He doesn't expose for the purpose of shame. He exposes for the purpose of our realization that we have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you don't have to walk in condemnation. You don't have to wear it. And Satan will, our enemy, ooh, man. Our enemy is not out to do what? What does he not want to do? Yeah. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't want to just hurt you a little bit. He doesn't want to just make you a little tired. He doesn't want to just hurt your ankle just a little bit. He wants to chop your whole leg off. He doesn't want to just maim you. The word tells us that our enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we don't prepare. As Bible-believing people, we don't prepare for that kind of enemy every day. He wants us to walk in condemnation. He will, let me rephrase myself. He wants us to walk with the weight of condemnation. Instead of walking in the freedom that we have in Jesus. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to believe me. You can believe God's word. It's been around a lot longer and it has a lot more credibility. Point number three, no thing separated intentionally, no thing, not any one thing that will ever take place in your life. Once you have placed your faith in Jesus, nothing that will ever happen in your life, nothing that the enemy ever throws at you, nothing that life ever throws at you, nothing, nothing ever can separate you from God's love, from the sufficiency of God's grace, from walking in grace and walking in eternal life in Jesus. Romans 8, 37 and 39, again, y'all don't need to trust me, we're going to trust God's word, says, no, in all things we are more than conquerors. What are we? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, who loved us. John 3.16, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us. For I am sure, Paul writing to the Roman church, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, rulers are principalities, principalities are instruments of the devil, okay? Nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. No thing, nothing, will be able. Let's talk about will be able for one second. Do we have anybody in here that teaches English, has taught English, or knows English very well? Okay, good. So will be able in... Uh, What, what tense does that reference? Future. Correct. Will be able is now. But what is also will be able? Future. Right. It's also the future. So it's now and it's the future. And if he covers us now and he covers our future, what do we know because of John 3.16? He already covered our past. So nothing... That happened. Nothing that's happening right now, and nothing that will happen for the rest of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ can or will have the power 
can or will have the power to separate you from God's love through Jesus. Let us know and remember these promises. God loves us. God has loved us from the beginning. And God will always love us through the end on through eternity. He showed his love for us by sending his son to live the life we never could so that we could have the chance to believe in him and have a relationship with God. You want to know how to beat your enemy who desires to kill you? to steal from you, and to destroy the good things that God has assigned over your life? You want to know how to stop that? How did Jesus stop it? Every time Satan tempted him, what did Jesus say? That's right. It is written. You defend yourself as a child of God against what the enemy wants to throw at you by professing the very scriptures that you have learned over the course of your life right back at him. And you remind him because... The enemy can remember what has happened. And the enemy knows what is happening. But what doesn't the enemy know? That's right. He doesn't have. He, he is not all-knowing. He knows what did happen. He knows what is happening. And he knows the consequences of what is happening. He knows what the possible consequences could be. But what he doesn't know, he doesn't know the effect and the power and the assignment of grace that's over your life. So you profess God's promises. We are more than conquerors because Jesus paid the price for sin, which is death, so that we could be covered by God's grace through the sacrifice of the Son, so that now no condemnation has any authority over us. No condemnation has any authority over you. That is written in God's word. Those are Paul's instructions to the church in Rome. That there is no authority over condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So anytime condemnation has weight over you, who is assigning that condemnation authority? I am. Me. You. When you feel the weight of it, when you feel the weight of your sin, and it weighs you down and it separates you from your relationship with Jesus, that's your choice. Church, that's your choice. That's not what God designs. That's not His intent. That's not His purpose. That's not His plan for our life. His plan for our life is to walk in the sufficiency of His grace. But in order to walk in the sufficiency of His grace, that means that we not only have to place our belief in Him, we not only have to place our faith in Him, but we have to be willing to come to Him and say, Hey God, I'm not right right now. I need Your grace in this area. I need Your grace to be sufficient for me. And see what God won't do. Do you know what would happen in Lipan? What would happen in this county? What would happen in this sector of Texas? If it started with this body in here this morning. This group of people. If we came together. Well, I guess I have to include more for work than that. Because that's where we're from. What God wouldn't do. If God's people who are called by his name. Stepped into the authority that God has called us to. The things that God wouldn't do. The miracles that God wouldn't perform. The great and mighty things that God wouldn't reveal to your pastor and to your deacons and to the people of this community. The love that's already seated here that wouldn't grow how it would grow if we would only repent. We don't have to be fearful of dying or living for that matter. 
Because with Jesus as our Lord, God's love is always accessible and it's always attainable for us to experience in every aspect of our lives. In every aspect of our lives. In our suffering, how do we experience Jesus? I'll say it again. In, in our suffering, how do we experience Jesus? We get to come to Him. And we get to have a conversation with Him. About what it is that weighs us down. Be it our health. Parenting young children. Being a parent and the responsibility and the weight that that carries. Being a grandparent and having the blessing to be able to see another generation and speak life into that generation, as well as the responsibility to encourage and build up and speak hope and life into those parents that you know their struggles. <coughs> you know those late nights. You know those early mornings. You know those concerns. You get to speak hope and life into that family. And that has generational impact. Because when you speak to that mom, who else are you speaking to? You're speaking to that child. Because when you speak hope into a parent's life, then that hope now is birthed inside of me and it comes out to my child. And she sees it. And she experiences it. And then that opens the door, hopefully one day, for her to pour that very same love and that very same grace back into her children. And then we start building a legacy of hope and love. Because we have been given the perfect model of what that love should look like. So what now? How do I live in the undeniable, definitive access to the love of God that comes by faith in Jesus? I remember the promises and God's love for me, especially when I don't feel it or when I don't feel worthy. Everybody, anybody in here ever felt unworthy of God's love? Yeah, of course. You understand the magnitude of God's love. You understand the feeling of unworthy to receive. Right? <clears throat> Recognize our sense of shame about our sin, both past and present, is the weight of condemnation. But having faith and believing into Jesus means that there's no condemnation over your life because of God's love. Now, knowing the knowledge that we've come to know this morning and the knowledge that some of you've known your entire Christian adulthood, you have a responsibility to do something with this knowledge, right? Anybody just come to church because you want to hear some dude speak for like way too long already? It's like, I'm honest with myself. It's like, <clears throat> no, we all came expecting something, right? Anybody, yeah, anybody show up not expecting God to do something? If you did, I'm sorry. You should. You should. You should wake up every day expecting God to do something. He's always moving. He's always moving. He's always moving in your life. He's always moving in your life. He's always speaking to you because our God is a talking God. He's always talking to you. He's talking through his word. He's talking through your pastor. He's talking through your friends. He's talking through your family. He's talking through your situations. He's always talking to you. You should wake up expecting God to say something to you, do something um, in and around you that's going to get your attention, or do something for you. What weight of condemnation are you wearing today that you shouldn't be? And if you are a believer and you're choosing to wear that condemnation, listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Are your standards, are your standards for continuing to be burdened with the weight of condemnation higher than God's standards for sin? If not, then today step into the freedom 
from condemnation that comes by jumping into the lake of belief and placing your faith back in Jesus, by putting the blood of the Lamb back on you. Repent and be made whole. It's accessible, but it's not attainable until we repent. It's accessible, but it's not attained until we repent. It's our recognition coming to the Father and saying, God, I need you. I need you. I don't have any part of this right. It's all out of order, and I need you. And he will come. He will come and he will place that covering right back over. And he'll put you right back into good standing. And even though life, this life, even though this life doesn't automatically place you back into right standing, right? If you owe $10,000 on the car, what do you still owe after you repent? You still owe $10,000 on the car, right? There's nothing you can do about that. That's that's dead. It happened. God is not like that. You sin. You repent from your sin. And what does he do with you? You are now back in right standing with him. He calls you his. He says you are my child. You are my child. You are the one that I sent Jesus for. You are the one that I gave my son for because I want relationship with you. Today, if you're not weighed down by condemnation and you were <coughs> this morning or last night, when is the time that you testify to someone, anyone, about how Jesus saved your life. When's the last time you shared any part of your testimony? It doesn't have to be the ugly parts. When's the last time you shared a part of your testimony? Will you commit today? Not tomorrow, not maybe next week, not maybe this week, not in a few hours. Will you commit today to share with someone else what Jesus has done for you? How Jesus changed your life. How Jesus saved your soul. How he took you from here under the weight of condemnation, under the burden of sin, under uh, this feeling of unworthiness into his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. This morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never considered exchanging where you are today and where God desires you to be right now for the rest of forever, I encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait. If coming up front and talking with us and praying with us is not you, and I have a wife that that's not her, if I told her that she needed to get up and start sharing her testimony right now to this whole church, um, I would be walking back to Fort Worth. Because that, that wouldn't work. If that's not you, Pastor Troy can help you get there. I'll be around after church. Come see us. Come talk to us. We want to share the good news. If you are a believer and you haven't surrendered a part of your life the Holy Spirit is exposing this morning, fix that. I encourage you to fix it. Walk in the freedom that God has desired for you to walk in. Be free. Be free. But don't, don't have walked into a meeting that God set forth a table to meet with you 
and walk out hungry. Could they you walk out hungry? That's your decision. That's food on the table. God says, come. Just like you want. Come. Come meet us where we are. Come meet us where we are. Come. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we come before you this morning. And God, we thank you. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. 